This morning, as we continue in our series, Your Kingdom Come, we're going to be looking at the account of the birth of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. And so if you have a Bible or a phone with a Bible on it and you want to read along as we hear Matthew's account of this story that we celebrate so long ago, Matthew is the shorter of the two accounts. Uh, Many of you will tonight or tomorrow morning, maybe by family tradition, read from the Gospel of Luke and read about the announcement of in the days of Caesar Augustus. That's not in Matthew's account. His is a much shorter version. It's only a few verses from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. And it reads, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And that concludes Matthew's telling of the birth of Jesus. And so we gather together, like many Christians all across the world, to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And though there are few details in this account, Matthew wants to highlight, even in his introduction to the story, sort of the main point, that the the location of, of where things transpired is part of the story, and who was involved is clearly part of the story, and he gives us that information But he wants to remind all of us is that this baby who was born, the birth of Jesus, is that Jesus was the Christ. Uh, I grew up in a church and went to Sunday school, and so I heard Jesus Christ said often together so much that I just assumed that was part of his name. Uh, Was it his middle name or something? Uh, And then realized until later on, no, that's not his name. His name is Jesus. Christ is a, a declaration of who he is. It's a title that he is Jesus the Messiah, or Jesus the Promised One, Jesus the one that we've all been waiting for, Jesus the new King. And we learn about what all of that means, not just in his birth, but then later in his life, and then ultimately his death and his resurrection for us, that he was the hope, as we've sung about, that Israel was longing for all the time. And it's our prayer that in our celebrations, as Cindy already opened our service uh, to mention, that you would not simply celebrate the birth of someone in Jesus, but that you would come to know him as the Christ, the Lord, the one who's worthy of your devotion and affection, the one who's worth following. And so Matthew, as his gospel opened, reminded us of those promises that had been made to people of old, to Abraham and to David. And now it tells us the good news that this promised one that Israel and the whole world had been waiting for had finally come. And so this was good news for all people that the Christ had come 
in a person with such an ordinary name. Jesus' name to his mom and dad, uh, their names were very ordinary Jewish names, and, and Miriam and Joseph, and then they gave their son a very ordinary Jewish name in Joshua. And so there would have been nothing in the immediacy of those celebrations of that birth that would have stood out to somebody to say this is a unique name or a unique family. They were an ordinary family. And there were aspects of this birth that were uh, ordinary to peasant people. We actually get an indication uh, later when Mary and Joseph go to celebrate the birth of Jesus in the temple of their sort of status in society. They came and they had uh, two birds to give as an offering at the temple, which was specifically a provision in the Old Testament law for an appropriate sacrifice for those who could not afford to do the normal sacrifice. And so for those who were uh, poor and did not have a lot of their own animals to bring and offer a sacrifice, there was a provision of something smaller that they could bring as a gift. And Jesus' earthly parents had to do that because they were ordinary people from a small town, from an unexpected place as they came. But Matthew wants to tell us from the beginning that this is good news about the birth of Jesus, the Christ, the promised one. And so that we keep that heavenly perspective when we then look upon the earthly details and learn about them that we not lose sight of that. But then he goes into the earthly details, and he tells us a story that sounds like something we could encounter on a regular basis, that there was a couple that was engaged to be married, and then something unexpected happened. Mary was now pregnant and with child, and they had not yet been married, and Joseph didn't know what was going on. And so this, uh, this, this good news that we come to celebrate initially by the very first people who heard about it uh, had a strangeness to it, an uncertainty about it, an unfamiliarity to it. And for us to enter into the joy, we need to sort of put ourselves back into the shoes of some of those earliest people. How did they receive and understand the message as it came to them and how their lives were affected by it? It was pretty profound. It was serious. We're told that Joseph actually, in response to it, is trying to think of how to get out of the situation. And what's the nicest way he could possibly get out of the situation for himself and also for Mary, not as somebody who's, who's just running from hard things, but somebody who initially, in, in hearing the news of an unexpected pregnancy, is not entering in or leaning in to say, how can we celebrate the joy of this occasion, but is starting to wonder how he can get out of it. Uh, I saw this uh, adaptation of this story, sort of imagining a conversation between Mary and Joseph as they traveled to Bethlehem uh, that was produced by The Chosen that I thought highlighted well the, the really human struggle that this couple would have had in receiving the news and then talking together about the things that they heard that first Christmas. We might see Samuel, but it's been so long. I don't know who's living in the same home. Hope so. You've said so much about him. We will see. We won't have any time to look for him if he's not, of course. We'll see. Are we out? 
Don't do even a drop.
But remember what the messenger said to me? Mm -hmm. Nothing is impossible with God. My messenger didn't say that. That would have been nice, huh? Feeling better? A bit, yes. Okay. 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 You need to move quicker. You need water, and I plan to get settled for the part where your messenger and my messenger said the same thing. And she will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Yes, that part. Come on. Appreciation that's expressed by Mary in that video comes from Matthew's Gospel, where it's clear in verse 19 that Joseph had the option in hearing the news of this child that was now expected to divorce her to to run away to say i want nothing to do with this and matthew tells us that his thoughts even in that option were still kind toward her that it says he was looking to do it quietly so that she would not be put to shame publicly he was unwilling to put her to shame and so this first Christmas has the appearance of shame in it, such that Joseph could have uh, removed himself from it. And shame is a powerful feeling that we have. But the angel intervenes into Joseph's life to say, I don't want you to settle for simply not putting shame on her. I want you to consider identifying yourself with her and being willing to receive shame upon yourself to protect her. And that's a powerful shift. Joseph could have justly and even kindly simply issued a bill of divorce in an unwillingness to bring shame to her. And that would have been just. But the angel comes to him to say, I don't want you to simply be just or kind. I want you to show grace. I want you to be yourself willing to take on the appearance of shame to protect somebody else. And that it took a dream to get him to change his mind and to be willing to do that. Because shame is a powerful emotion. Shame usually makes us want to go away and hide. I experienced shame this week in a, a pretty strong way that I hadn't for a little bit of time. But I think it was Tuesday morning, I was dropping off Levi to school. And where he gets dropped off at the middle school, the primary school parking lot of Norton uh, and the middle school are right next to each other. And so if I want to avoid the traffic and I want to avoid the, the buses dropping kids off, I can pull into the primary school and drop him off there so he can walk the steps up to the middle school. And so he says to me, hey, dad, can you drop me off not where you normally drop me off because it's really icy right there. And then I right below the steps and then I have to go up the steps and it was also cold on Tuesday. And, uh, and then, and instead, can you just take me up to the closer door? Well, when we got there, all the buses were still there. And I was like, sorry, kid, I'm not going to the, I'm not fighting with the buses. Like, I'm going to drop you off where I normally drop you off, and you're going to do fine. 
And so he gets out of the car, book bag on, which somehow weighs like 70 pounds, even though they have Chromebooks. It doesn't make sense to me, but he's got his lunch, his water bottle, and his book bag, and he takes two steps in front of the van and just completely wipes out. And I felt like the worst dad ever. Like I was just, I was already starting to drive away because there's people waiting to get closer so that they can uh, also now make the drop-off line. So I couldn't even go out and like help him up. And so for that whole day, I just felt this like weight. I just want to say I'm sorry. I want to tell him I did the wrong thing and ask him to forgive me. Because that feeling, it's powerful. And so when he came home and I got home, I made sure to go up to him and say, Levi, I have to tell you, I've been thinking about this all day. And he goes, you saw me fall. I said, yes, I did. And I'm so sorry. I felt like the worst dad ever. I just wanted to pick you up from school and like take you to Chuck E. Cheese or something to like make up for it and make clear to you how sorry I was that that happened because he anticipated it and wanted to avoid it. And so my shame was then also potentially his own shame and falling. Thankfully, not too many other people saw it and witnessed it. And so he didn't have that added shame, but it's a powerful emotion. And for Joseph, when he heard the news of while they were only engaged and then thinking of what other people might say, there was this challenge of the appearance of shame and how it would affect him, how it would affect Mary, how it would affect their future. But in this little story is, a, a, if you will, a small version of what becomes the fuller gospel story. That God himself could have looked upon the brokenness of this world and said, you know what, I'm not mad, I'm not angry, but I'm just done, and I want out. I want nothing to do with all of this. But that's not what he did. He would have been just in doing that. He would have been completely just in not offering redemption to the world. But God didn't settle for simply being just. He extended to the world grace forgiveness, that he sent his own son to take on the appearance of shame for us to protect us so that we could now know again and in a new and in a deeper way the fullness of joy. Because I'll tell you, there is something powerful as well, just like the feeling of shame. There's something powerful when you look at somebody you love and you say, I'm sorry, and you know they really forgive you and that you can just enjoy one another again and not live in the past of that shame. And so we celebrate Christmas as a time of joy where joy was brought into the world, but there is a way that we will experience that joy even at a deeper level when we first take seriously the consideration of the shame of our sin and how good and kind it was of our Savior to give us the hope through himself being willing to take that shame upon himself so that we could experience the joy that he has for us. And so this was a song that I had not heard before, but when I uh, heard it, it gave the emotion of what many of us do celebrate at this Christmas time in reminding us of the good news that does bring us real and lasting joy.
sound like? Is it quiet like snow? Does joy sound like the laughter of friends that you know? Is joy like the sound of a kiss on your cheek? Or like holding your breath when you play hide and seek? Maybe joy sounds real loud like a hip hip hooray or a whispered I'll Sounds a little like all of these things, but a long time ago, joy sounded like we. Shepherds and sheep down below were surrounded by songs from that heavenly host. Glad tidings great joy, we are never alone. God sent His Son to make heaven our home. So every Christmas, each girl and each boy could lift up their of shame we have in these verses the substance of joy when the angel said that you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins and all this to take place of what the Lord had spoken by the prophet behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us God with us in our brokenness God with us in our shame God with us in spite of our sin. God with us to protect us and to save us and to bring us real and lasting eternal joy. 
And that's what we mean when we say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. The joy of the Christ who has come to take away our shame and to bring us real and lasting hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you that even in Matthew's brief telling of the story of the birth of your son, that we have so much to be grateful for. In the ancient promises fulfilled that the Messiah would come, in the obedience of Joseph to not run away from the appearance of shame, but to honor you in taking the role of a father and a husband in protecting his vulnerable bride. Father, thank you for the reminder that that is, that you chose to be gracious to us and to our world, that when you could have been done with us and separated yourself from us, instead you chose to come to us. And we thank you that you are Emmanuel. We thank you that you bring to us real and lasting and eternal joy. And so we pray that as we continue to sing these songs to you, that you would be glorified in what we sing, but that you would also be glorified in our hearts being turned towards you, surrendered to you, embracing and receiving all the gift of grace and salvation that you offer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.